Father, we thank you for your word today. We believe that you are in the midst of your word, that you make your word alive, that your word is much more than type set on a page. It actually carries, it brings forth the DNA of your very nature. And we receive of you your nature today. We believe that Jesus has made a way for us to be in your family and to be not just those that are sitting around the table, but those who are organically transformed from the inside out. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. I want to read a crazy verse to you um, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, and, uh, and then we'll go to uh, my Superman file. Do you have my Superman file? Yeah, so then we'll go to my Superman file. Um, so this is, uh, I have to, you know, some of these verses I have to give you a little bit of context, uh, otherwise you don't know where in the world we're going or where it came from, and I don't want to lift scriptures totally out of context uh, when there's a context that will help us make sure that I'm staying on track and not preaching heresy. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal or still acting carnal. Now, there's a lot of different, we could go through a lot of different translations, uh, I think this one I picked out here is the New King James and or the New American Standard. And sometimes I don't tell them the one I pick, and so then they have to stab in the dark back there, and so the pastor needs uh, a spanking sometimes. So for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Now, this is interesting. It's been one of my favorite passages uh, for years uh, because I love the word mere, and I love the way mere leaps off of the page and just kind of grabs us and speaks to us that, that, we could, that we could live this lower life, this weaker life, uh, this, um, this weakened life, this natural life. We could live at this level and and kind of a mere man level and a mere man level is where we're we're still kind of bound up or still kind of involved in what he's pointing here to uh, 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 uh strife and contention and envy and just kind of like a negative framework of living or life but he says that's not who you are you're not mere men and this is interesting. He, he's actually rebuking them, but he's telling them, this is not who you are. This is, this is not your nature. And I, I want you to catch this a little bit this morning. Where I want to take you this morning, again, is just framing your heart to live out of heaven, framing your heart to live out of favor, framing your heart to live out of righteousness, framing your heart to live out of the new creation person that you are, that when God has recreated you in Christ, he's done an amazing job, and he's, he's created you this superior being. And, and for that, we're going to put a couple Superman photos up on the screen. 
because I really do believe that this one's really cool. I like that one. Now, the other one is more plain. We'll go to the other plain one here. Well, okay. It's only plain because you can't see the eyes, I guess. But So, this is, what I, this is what I want you to think of. I want you to think that, that you, are, you really are a super. You really are a super. And it's so important that you wrap your imagination around this 24-7. Go back to the other one. I like the fire in the eyes. Yeah. There you go. Come on. There's Larry Blythe right there. There's Chase Beatty right there. Come on. Yeah, that's, that's uh, Mickey Hartman right there. Kenny King right there. Come on. Yeah. That's your average church member right there. Roger Hoshin right there. Come on. I want, you to, I want you to frame your imagination. See, so many times when we are thinking about who we are, we're thinking in terms of legalism. We're thinking in terms of a negative view. We're thinking in terms of a sinful self. We're, but I want to keep pressing you. I want to keep provoking you. I want to keep entertaining you that you who have been born of the Spirit, you are born from above, that you bear the image of the heavenly. That's 1 Corinthians 15. You bear the image of the heavenly, that you are a new creation being. You might not feel like it sometimes. Anybody anybody with me on that one? You might not feel like it sometimes. You might have the witness of a contradiction within you sometimes. But when you have the witness of a contradiction within you, all the more, all the more that you resist, all the more that you shun that witness, and do not stoop, do not stoop to a mere man perspective concerning yourself. You are not mere men. What the Lord has done in making you, He has created a special class of people. He has created a new class, a new race of people, a superior race of people. Can you receive that? One who is born from above. You know, in church, when I was growing up, church was so legalistic and so heavy-handed and so mosaic and so, so concerned with the law and so concerned with sin that, that when, we, when we thought about when we thought about scriptures like you you are not of the earth and you're citizens you know you're 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 not you're just pilgrims and you're just passing through when we heard those scriptures we didn't realize we didn't realize that that living on the earth and not being of the earth is actually the most powerful cool thing ever that you are the supers on the earth You are the supers on the earth. And so you can't be bought. You can't be tricked. You can't be deceived. You can't be duped. You can't be misled. You can't be led astray. You can't 
You're more concerned about what Father has in mind than you are about money. That's kind of cool, yeah? You're free from the fear of man. You're free from the fear of rejection. You're free from what people think about you. This is the super life. The super life is that you're tuned in to principles from above, like love, joy, peace, patience. These things exist in heaven, and you bring them to earth because they are the fruit of his word in you. They are the fruit of the spirit. And so you actually, when you live, if we took all the Christians off the planet today, do you know what a mess this planet would be? You are the salt and the light. You are the kingdom of heaven on the earth. You are. You are the manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. The love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, and self-control that does exist in our communities, do you know who it is shed abroad through? It is shed abroad through the new creation, sons and daughters of God. You're the stabilizing environment of our communities. You're the revolutional change inside your homes and your families. You are so rich in God, so rich of God, and so rich in God. And I want to keep lifting your imagination so that you see yourself living from above, so you see yourself living as a super, not living as a mere man, not thinking as a mere man, capturing, taking, and getting your thoughts, lifting your thoughts constantly into that higher realm, constantly into that higher realm. When we think about 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, taking every thought captive to follow, to submit, to yield to, to agree with, to obey Christ. When we think about scriptures like that, it's not just defeating sin. Oh, I use that scripture to, you know, that's weapons of my warfare. I've been beating up the devil. I've been, you know, I don't think of those, you know, I don't think, think those thoughts anymore. And we can't always just keep things in the prohibitory realm. I don't, that, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, I brought every thought into obedience. That's powerful and good, but now Father wants you to bring your imagination into a realm where you're actually thinking his thoughts, not just avoiding what he doesn't think. Did you hear what I just said? See, we have such a prohibitory consciousness. We have such a legalistic mindset. We have such an influence of the mosaic system over us, thinking subconsciously that our righteousness does somehow connect to our works and that we have to fulfill the Ten Commandments. And if we don't, then we are not walking in righteousness. We have such a connection to the law, and that connection is so deep that even when we have scriptures like that, we think of our weapons of our warfare, we don't think of them as warfare like progress, taking new ground. We think of it like progress, like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. Okay, I'm going to silence that now. I'm not going to do that anymore. So I'm not going to think thoughts that that Jesus wouldn't think. But the Lord is saying, can you start thinking thoughts I do think? Can you bring every thought captive to actually agreeing with the cool things I am thinking? That's where real living starts, by the way. Real living does not start by overcoming the things that you shouldn't think because he doesn't think those thoughts. Real living starts in starting to think the thoughts he does think. 
stretching your imagination into his realm, stretching your imagination into superiority, into abundance, into grace, into power, into raising the dead. Not just a dead person, but a dead business, a dead thing, a dead relative, a dead family member, a dead dream. Stretching your thoughts into that realm, purposely grabbing your imagination and beginning to just think, what in the world could happen in this realm? If heaven came here, if heaven invaded this part of my life, what would that look like? What would that look like if heaven invaded this part of my life? See, victory is not... We, somehow we've got this idea again out of that, that Old Testament, I'm not worthy, I'm a worm, I, I'm just not very good. Out of that whole mindset, we've got this idea that victory is overcoming sin. So we applaud ourselves every time we do, and we think we have arrived at victory. Victory is not overcoming sin. Victory is walking in the Eden life, the restoration life, the supreme life, the Son of God life. The earth is not just groaning for people that have overcome sin. The earth is groaning for the sons of God, the actually, those who actually live like Jesus to be manifested. There's that kind of a crazy life for you. Whew. I, I actually think, and part of what I want to say today, um, I actually think that he likes it when you think on your own. I just, I, I think that this is another part of our spiritual dimension that we think that if it's not spirit-led, that it will offend him. So we're waiting around for spirit-led thoughts, and we most of the time attribute spirit-led thoughts to some kind of a, a voice or picture or, or something that pops in our head or, you know, that prophetic download or a goosebump or, you know, somehow. So we attribute, and so that's what spirit-led is. And so if I don't get one of those, then I, I got to be careful. I don't want to... I don't wanna, I don't, I don't want to get too creative on my own. That might offend the Lord. And so I think, though, the Lord wants you to know he gave you a mind on purpose. I think the Lord wants you to know he created you in his likeness and his image on purpose. And that when he redeems the way he created you, when, he, when the redemptive work of the Holy Spirit and the gift of righteousness lands on your heart, he actually wants you to use the way he made you to become creative and to think. Use that thing that you call a brain. Use that inner man that is a mind. Use it with creativity. Use it with good. Use it. Hum. Hum, hum, hum. Oh, Lord, hum. Should I have Cheerios? Um, oh, Lord, you're so good. Cheerios or scrambled eggs this morning. Lord, what would you have me do? Um, or should it be multi-meal? 
Oh, frosted flakes, Lord. Oh, my goodness, Jesus. Give me a leading. Give me a leading, Lord. What should I do, Lord? Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, Lord. Should it be granola with blueberries and bananas, Lord? Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I don't know what to do without you, Lord. And he's up there like, like I'm too busy for this. What in the world? I got things to do. You don't understand. I'm running the planet and holding everything together, and you want me to talk to you about Cheerios? I was drawn to John chapter 11. And I just, part of what I wanted to talk to you about is the power you have in righteousness. And if I could entertain your thoughts a little bit, going back a few Sundays that I've talked to you, and I've been, I've been provoking you to think uh, with, uh, with thoughts that could be considered heresy. But we're told in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and following, that Jesus, though he existed in the form of God and equality with God, did not remain in such a state. We can put it on the screens if the guys have it. He did not see it as a thing to be grasped, but yet or, rather he emptied himself of such. So we have this theological understanding, and I want you to go here with me a little bit because I don't think we've worked this theology as deep as we could to understand who we've become. So it says that he emptied himself and took on the form of a man, and he took on the form of a servant. So we understand in theology, in theology that when Jesus did what he did, because he had to overcome sin, hell, death, the grave, Satan, when he, he had to do that as a man. He had to do it as the second Adam. He succeeded and became the last Adam, the Scripture clearly says. He had to do that as Adam. He came as man. He came sinless, but he came as man. He came as one who didn't need to be born again because he was born of God from the womb, but so was first Adam. So was first Adam. So was first Adam. This is why when goofy theologians say, well, maybe first Adam walked on water. I'm not going to say maybe he didn't. Who are you to say he didn't? From what we can tell, there wasn't a lot of difference between first Adam and second Adam. How dare you say that? Second Adam was Jesus. He was the Son of God. He was divine. Adam was the Son of God. And second Adam, though he was divine, set his divinity on a theological shelf and said, I won't touch it. I'm going to do everything I do as a man. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to commune with my father. I'm going to spend time with my father. I'm going to rely on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to rely on the anointing. I'm going to overcome Satan as a man. If he wouldn't have done it as a man, it wouldn't be, there would be no efficacy in it. There would be no propitiation in it. He had to do it as a spotless lamb. He had to do it as a man. He couldn't reach into his divinity. Remember, there's times where the Scripture says that he could have. He could have called 
10 legions of angels to rescue him off the cross, but he refused to do so. He had to fulfill his mission as a man. When he went into hell, Peter talks about it, Jude talks about it. When he went into hell, he preached in hell. And it says that though his physical body has, had expired, he went into hell and he was justified in spirit in hell. Death couldn't hold him. Why couldn't death hold him? Because he had never sinned. See, righteousness... Righteousness is the pathway to taste of the tree of life. Righteousness is what gives you the tree access to the tree of life. This is why the Bible says you have already passed from death into life. Why? Because you have been given the gift of righteousness. Therefore, you are already a partaker and eater of the tree of life. Since you partake of the tree of life, as soon as your earth body, your earth suit expires, it will spring up in a new form and you will find yourself alive in a greater way than you've ever been alive before because death cannot hold you. You've already passed from death into life. Why? Because righteousness is your access to the tree of life. Are you with me? So I, I, want, you to, I want you to think what, what I'm trying to get you to wrap your head around is how great righteousness is. You have been given the gift of righteousness that's given you equal status with the Father in Jesus. I mean, this is crazy stuff. This is, this is like the craziest stuff ever. So, so I go to John 11. I want to go to John 11 with you. I don't know if I was going somewhere else or not, but I can't remember that. But I want to talk to you a couple. Time is standing still for me, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you, Jesus, for a slow clock. I was uh, I was led to John 11 because John 11 is interesting. This is where Lazarus has passed away, and the passing of Lazarus touched the heart of Jesus the man Jesus. And so it says that Jesus wept. It's the only time recorded in the Word where Jesus wept over a, a person, a human, passing away. This person passed away. This is a friend of Jesus. And I want to entertain with you what I think happened is I, I want to entertain with you that I think that Jesus was so moved with the passing of Lazarus that he brought that to Father in intercession. And I want to encourage you today that the righteousness that you've been given as a gift in Christ Jesus is so powerful, it's made you a super in the earth. It's caused Father's ear to be attuned to you. When you bring things to Father that actually grieve you, it catches his attention in a powerful way. If you're constantly waiting for the leading of the Spirit, you're missing a large portion of the privilege you have in Father. The Bible says we know first from the natural about the spiritual. We can learn about the spiritual realm by observing the natural realm. And I don't know how many of you, your children, uh, you know, if they come to you with something, like you kick them or scold them or knock them in the head, and you 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 just tell them, don't even talk to me about food. You're going to be father-led. When we, when we deal with food, you're going to be led by the father. 
Daddy, Daddy, can we get one of those? Can we, can, can we go, Daddy, can we go see? Would you hush up? Would you stop it? I'm in charge here. When I lead you by the spirit of my voice, then we'll go somewhere. You follow where I'm going with this? You hear what I'm saying with this? What kind of a father do you guys think we have? You know, I, I, my attention was drawn to a few passages out of uh, Isaiah and other places where I think that, you know, I think that Father wished that there was intercession, but there wasn't intercession, and and yet he welcomed intercession. He wished for intercession, but there was no intercession. Ezekiel twenty two thirty says, "I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap." Somebody who would stand before me for the land so I wouldn't destroy it, but I found no one. There, there, was, no, there was no one. There was no, there was no man to do this. There are scriptures further in Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 likewise, a very similar scripture. It says, and it's a whole, this scripture is like a a lawsuit against the people who are not paying attention to the Lord. And it's breaking the heart of God. It says in verse 15, truth has, fa- truth has failed. and He that departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him. There was no judgment. He saw that there was no man. He wondered that there was no intercessor. There was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation, and his righteousness sustained him. Isaiah 63, very similar. The day of judgment, the day of vengeance is in my heart. The year of redemption is to come. And I looked, verse 5, and I looked, and there was no one to help. And I wondered that there was no one to uphold. I wondered that there was no one, that there, there's like nobody stirring themselves. I want to encourage you that to trust your heart even more. You that are born of the Spirit, trust your mind even more than you do. You that are you that have that are the new creation, children, daughters, and sons of God, trust your heart, trust your mind even more. And not only that, but don't be afraid to bring the Father the things that grieve your heart, that touch your heart. I think Father would love to respond to some of these things that touch your heart deeply. He's actually looking for sons and daughters who will begin to think out of their own creativity. How, how, how could this change? This needs to change. This needs to grow. This needs to be reformed. This needs, this needs and, and, and there's something within you and maybe you're thinking it's not the leading of the Spirit, but maybe it actually is. Maybe you don't need a goosebump. Maybe you don't need a prophetic vision. You just need to work the righteous new creation heart that you've already been given. 
Trust your imagination and use it. Trust your imagination and work it. Trust your imagination and then begin to bring these things to Father. So I think in John chapter 11, there's something interesting here. I think that that Jesus was moved, right? Jesus was moved by the passing, and he judged it as a premature passing. And so we're given this inference that he brought it to Father, that he talked about it with Father. It moved him, so it ended up moving Father. And he received, he received enough of an insight in his nature to call Lazarus forth. Now, this is interesting. He went from intercession to command. I want you to see this. This is important because most of us, when we bring something to Father pertaining to what he's stirred us with, moved upon us with, or we begin to move upon him with because it touches our heart, so we want to begin to touch him with it because it's touched us, we never move from intercession to command. We stay in intercession. But Jesus moves from intercession to command. And this is what he says in John 11, and I want you to see this because this is so typical of the ministry of Jesus, and I think it's typical of what he's called us to. He says in verse 42, I know that you always hear me. He's standing outside the grave. They're telling him, don't do this, don't do this. He stinketh, he stinketh. He's been dead four days. Don't do this, don't do this. They te- he tells them, roll the stone away. No, no, he stinketh. Roll the stone away. Right? And then he prays this simple prayer, but it's recorded for us. John recorded this. The Holy Spirit said, save this because the people coming need to know this. The people coming need to know this. And I, and I know that you always hear me, because, but because of the people who were standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you've sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. This goes back to to us leaning deeply into our righteousness, the righteousness that we've been given as a gift in Jesus, trusting our heart, believing that Father wants to hear from us, the things that disturb us disturb Him, the things that He puts on our heart should disturb us to disturb Him. But as we bring those in petition and intercession, He's looking for those who will bring those things before Him, but also then knowing that we have the grace, the power, the authority to call those things forth, to command those things to live, to command those things to live. Did you know you have the power to command things to live? Righteousness not only allows you to eat of the tree of life, it is giving you the power to command things to live. Do you believe that? Five of you believe that. That's, this, is, this is the most astounding crowd I've ever been with. I mean, this is... Have any of you practiced this at all? How many of you are in holy practicing right now? You're just like holy practicing. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, church, listen to me. If you will start practicing, if you will do a Colossians 3... 
If you will set your mind on things above where you are now seated, start setting your mind on things above. You know what that means? That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, uh, oh, oh, I see clouds and I want to go to heaven and I'm so tired of this life. I want to set my mind on things above. I wonder if I have a harp up there. Set your mind on the victory that you have in Jesus already. Set your mind on the authority that is yours as you are knit together, married together, partnered with Jesus. Set your mind on the overcoming power that Father has given you when he imputed righteousness to your spiritual bank account. Set your mind on the healing that God has already deposited in your bank account, not only to partake of, but to be a distributor of. Set your mind on the heavenly realm where you're already seated, where there's no consciousness of strife and envy and contention, but only love and peace and joy and patience and gentleness and meekness and self-control. Set your mind on that realm. Partake of that realm. Wrap your imagination around that realm and bring that realm into your present circumstances. And then begin to call the dead things to live. Begin to speak to the Lazaruses in your life. Speak to the Lazaruses. Speak. What, 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 what would have happened if Jesus would have just gone as far as we go? He is the righteousness of God. He is the resurrection and the life. He understood Father's nature, John 5, 20 and 21. Father's nature is to give life to the dead things. Father gives life to the dead, so I too give life to whoever I choose. He says in verse 21, 5, I give life. But what would have happened if he would have stopped at the place of intercession and never commanded Lazarus to come forth? He would still stinketh. Stand with me this morning. Come on, let's stand. On that note, let us stand. Could it be, could it be that we're not seeing the resurrections of dreams, of desire, of broken and wounded people, of situations in culture? Could it be we're not seeing some of the resurrections God's ordained for us to see? things we've brought before him, things that are on his heart, things that are on ours, things that we've actually been interceding about because we have not called the dead thing forth. We have not spoken to it with authority. We've not, we've not shifted from permission. We've not shifted from acknowledgement. We've not shifted from oneness with the heart of Father into the delegation of the authority that he's given us as a son and commanded the dead thing to live. You bow your heads, close your eyes all across the building this morning. Just for a moment, if you would. I want you to think of the dead things around you. I want you to think of the dead things around you just for a moment. Some of you have got a child that's not serving the Lord yet. It's been grieving your heart. 
the Lord is putting the authority of a resurrection in your mouth. Some of you have financial issues that have gone literally sideways and upside down. It's been plaguing your heart. It's been grieving you. You've wondered, does my crying out to Father even capture his attention? Maybe I wasn't spirit-led when I made this decision. Oh, Father is literally, I see a tear in his eye this morning. Father's heart is so attuned to your situation. And he's giving you permission right now as a delegate of Jesus to begin to call that thing to live, to call a shift, to command with authority a shifting. The earth is groaning for the sons of God to be revealed. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a firstborn of God. You're wrapped up in the King of Kings. You're woven into the very essence of Father. He's brought you near that he might give you his authority. That he might give you his authority. That he might give you the grace, the power, the virtue to bring a change into that which is grievous, that which is a contradiction. We observe things in culture. We've been observing shiftings in culture that aren't right. They aren't good. They're catching our attention. They're grieving our heart. They're grieving fathers as well. But he wants us to take that place of grief and begin to command a shift. Begin to command a shift. Begin to command a shift. Don't stop declaring a shift. The righteous will prevail. The righteous will rise up. The righteous will prosper. The righteous will increase. The goodness of God, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Oh, this is what he wants you to fill your heart, your mouth, your confession with. Your imagination, your imagination. Fill your imagination with this. Oh, we agree this morning that you have given us a privileged place with you. We agree this morning that you've made us superior, that we are the supers in the earth. You've given us a superior place you've created. You've made a superior race of people that you have woven your spirit within us. You place your thoughts within us. You lead us and you govern us. You guide us. We can trust our imagination. We can trust our imagination. And we ask this morning not only for the power to overcome sin, but we ask for the power to think greater thoughts. We ask for the power to to, to think and imagine and to see and to dream in your realm, in a realm above, a realm that's superior, a realm that is supreme, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let's worship as we go this morning.